Michigan's Upper Peninsula is my home and Escanaba is my hometown. I'm Craig Warple. Hometown Escanaba connects with the people, activities, and newsmakers of Escanaba and the UP. Join us for more interviews at hometownescanaba.com. Now let's find out what's going on. Joining us this morning is Delta County Sheriff Ed Oswald. Thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. COVID-19, of course, is an issue around the community, and you've been very lucky over this pandemic to keep the virus out of the jail. What's the situation like right now? Uh, we're doing a quarantine with, with inmates when they come in. It, it does create some problems, the quarantine, just because it's we're limited on how many beds uh, so if we have someone for one day or two days, we're tying up one of the quarantine beds for that, for that amount, uh, of time. If, if someone's in there for 30 days or 60 days, you know, we get them out pretty early and into, uh, general population. Sure. Quarantines are for just a couple of days or a full seven or how does that work? We're doing it for, I don't, I really don't want to give the exact. Ah, I've got it. And and I'll tell you why is because yep. then I gotta worry about how much drugs they're thinking they can smuggle in and you know, that's always a battle. Um why do you still have a drug smuggling problem with the new jail? Why well, is that still an issue? Uh, they'll just try to do it anytime they they can. Okay. Uh we're keeping it out of the facility. Uh, okay. just that intake is normally where we get in. We char- they get charged, the prosecutor charges them. We had people go to prison. Mm-hmm. Uh where maybe they would have spent a little jail time, then they smuggle drugs in jail. We get that, and they they get bounced to prison. It's far less than it was at the old jail. When do you get the new scanner? It's all set, it's set up. I uh, see they ran the line. We have training coming up. I did. Uh, I ran myself through it. Uh, and to. were you clean? <laughs> it's like an X-ray machine. I could see my bones. It was yeah. It was pretty interesting. You didn't answer the question. Were you clean? Yeah. No, I had my phone, my gun. I had everything on, just like I am right now. Oh, and I saw all that, right? And what was in my pocket. It, yeah. was, it was nice. What do you hope that it will do for you then? Hoping it keeps drugs out of the facility. Uh, uh, yeah, I could see like my intestines. Is that right? But yeah. So I, I'm Of course you have to is, because that's where some of it's smuggled through, right? Right. That's where it's smuggled. That's how it's smuggled in. It's smuggled inside the body. So how would you see it? What, tell me, take me through the process. You said you've gone through training. What happens? No, we'll start the training. Okay. And that's it. We don't know how to really read them. So I ran myself through and the sergeant and I were looking at it and we kind of see it. But the training is two days long that supervisors will receive on that machine. And hopefully we could see. And I know other counties that have them. This is the same with what Cook County has down in Chicago. Uh, some other counties were, uh, they're eliminating that by using the body scanner. I took the tour of the jail before you opened up, and so I remember the intake area. Pretty big area. So where is it fitting? It's not. It's too big to fit That's in That's what intake. I was wondering. It's in the Sally port. Oh, out in the garage. Out in the garage, yeah. Does that take away then space out there? Uh, we put on one side. We had a little bit of room on that side for some storage. Uh, so it did take some room, but not enough really to make a difference at this point. Isn't it terrible that you designed a new building and all of a sudden you've got something that you didn't accommodate for? Yes, yes, it is. We thought we'd fit in other rooms, but we repurposed the other rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, this it works out though. It's in. We left enough room on that side to where you can go around it with a car. Do they go through it then when they come out of the patrol vehicle? 
before going in to the facility or do you turn around, do you turn and come back out? No, I, I think, well, you mean the cars? Yeah, when you bring somebody in, do they then go directly through the scanner and then into the door or do you go into the intake? No, they would be and come an back intake out? Uh, and during processing. Mm-hmm. They would make a determination if they have probable cause, they have some on them at that point. We can't automatically put everyone through. Okay. It's not like, uh, uh, kind of like the airport. You know, if you want to fly, you have to go through. It'll be somewhat similar. If we have probable cause, we think they have something on them. They're normally a drug user. They smuggled in before. Uh, Maybe they're making movements when they're being stopped. Uh, Some of that we're starting to work through at this time to have a good policy. So the police officer comes in, fills out a form. You know, they were moving around, appeared they're hiding drugs on their on their body, then we put them through. You spend a lot of time fighting this as far as trying to find the drugs as they're coming in. How much will this alleviate that effort? Uh, It'll alleviate it quite a bit. Uh, You know, we spend a lot of time, too, watching the camera when they're in intake uh, to see if it looks like they are obtaining drugs while they're going to doing stuff in their cell. Uh, or sometimes they sometimes they appear not to be coming off their high, and then we realize that they probably have something they smuggled in. Mm-hmm. And that's the uh, the rooms off to the east of your intake room there, where you have the 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 rooms there. You have a couple. Yeah, right? the, the intake rooms. That's, that's what all you call they're them? for okay. is the intake rooms. Uh, so even anytime we you're going to sit in that room for seventy two hours before. Even outside of COVID, mm-hmm. minimum 72 hours before you move back to general. Do most of the inmates come in high or you, drunk? Quite a few. Quite a few. Majority. Okay. So this is something that will be used quite a bit, you think? Yes. Yes, I believe. And before you moved into general. So when you're in intake, before you're moved to general, we will run them through the machine where we're granted that access by the, by the government. You've been following what Marquette County has done since they got their scanner. How much has it improved their situation? It's made a difference with their situation. Uh, Just our new facility made quite a difference to begin with. And this will just come, it'll just help with with our efforts greatly. You you said that you had about 120 inmates right now. You remember when that used to be overcrowded? Yeah, 119, yeah. <laughs> now yes. you can handle it fairly easily, right? We can. It's just the intake. Uh, you know, our numbers are Well, you didn't within. plan for COVID no, when we you didn't. designed the jail. We're lucky we we had the new jail for COVID. I mean, our community's lucky we had that for COVID. Other facilities only had two rooms. So they really had to limit their intakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you got to hold someone for seven days, or what did we start off with, 10 days? 12, 12 days when it first, COVID first 14, hit. 14, I think. 14. Yeah. Then I think it went down to 10. Um, now but, it's 7, I believe. But that's a that's a long time if you only have two rooms. Uh, mm-hmm. We kept COVID, uh, you know, we've had COVID come in, but we kept it all the general population. We've had employees. Uh, uh, majority was employees. What's that meant for operating the jail to keep it out of the general population? Uh, out of the pod area. Right. So what's that meant? To be able to operate the jail that way. Oh, it makes a big difference to, you know, it, keeping it completely out of general and in intake. So if you come in with COVID and we don't know it, you're quarantined in intake and it stays there within 
your cell. It's not moved to the whole general population, all the other inmates. Mm -hmm. So that's really what we have to do is keep it out of general. That's amazing, actually, that you've been able to do that. I don't don't know what it's like at other jails, but I'm assuming that's not normal, right? No, I I know. Obviously, the state prisons, other other county jails, and there's one jail, uh, they, they had to shut down. They had to quarantine the entire jail, and all the intakes had to go to another county. Uh, or if UP that or happened, that no, it was down state Lansing. Okay. So if that happened here, you know, could you imagine having to run a, a, an inmate to Marquette, Menominee, or Schoolcraft, <laughs> Prescott Public Safety? Speaking of running inmates, the state of Michigan changed the definition of adult for those who are 17. Now they're considered juveniles. So that's an age group that you're obviously going to have quite a few people to deal with. And without a facility here, you would had to have transported them to other facilities, which generally meant Sault Ste. Marie or somewhere downstate. Since then, you've made an agreement with Bay Pines. Yes, the counties had agreement years ago before Bay, Bay Pines built that, you know, give them this property, you always save us a bed. Well, they didn't honor that here lately, and now they're honoring that again. Okay. How has it changed what you have to do here as of October 1st? Well, with the 17-year-olds, just 17-year-olds can't, uh, they cannot go to jail until they're bound over or a circuit court sends them. Probate court cannot put them in our jail. What's that meant for you? Uh, How you operate it, though? Well, you know, all these years, 17, you turn 17 years old and I stop you for drunk driving or, or, uh, you know, because they're driving, they're committing crimes, we take them to jail. Mm -hmm. I've taken a lot of 17-year-olds to jail. When I talked with the prosecutor last month, he was adamant against this policy. Do you have an opinion one way or I, another? I agree. You know, we're, we're at 17, they're driving the cars, they have a lot of, a lot of freedoms, but they're, they don't have put up with the punishment. Uh, you know, they're, they seem to be adults, drug dealers, and there's, I thought the system we had was working. Well, all other states pretty much had at 17 you were still a juvenile. We were one of the last states. How come you don't have a wing within the jail for it? We couldn't build one. Uh, two counties in the state of Michigan, we, we were for, uh, state wouldn't allow us because we have a state juvenile facility here. So we checked on that. We weren't even, we couldn't even build juvenile beds. Is that right? Yes. Because the state keeps trying to shut down Bay Pines. I I, I know. I know, but there's two counties in the state that could not wear one of them. Yeah, because there's only two facilities in you the entire state. You cannot, the county cannot build one if the state. So you were in a situation where you couldn't build because of it, and then you couldn't house because of the agreement there. So Yeah, it was, it was frustrating. Uh, well, we'll see what the future holds. I did ask the jail to run uh, to check, and the uh, jail said we really have not had, we've had very few 17-year-olds in jail in the past year. Well, that's good news. Really small number, 17. Mm-hmm. So it might not end up being as bad as I, I thought. But, you know, when when they're bad at 17, they need to go to jail. You, you know, the ones that we get in need to be there. Do you feel like you're covering the county well enough as far as uh, the ability to do so? And I ask that knowing that, a lot of industries, including law enforcement, are looking for workers. You're not one of those. You, you're sitting pretty well. Well, we're looking for corrections right now. but Sure, but that's normal stuff, yeah. right? But 
have you been able to cover it if sufficiently what you would like to see in the county? Yes, we've been doing well. Uh, corrections, uh, you know, we're looking at for applicants, but we're really close to being fully staffed. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the ability to, to cover crime and the patrol officers? Yeah, yeah it's it's going well. Yeah, we're we're good right now. Okay. One of the issues you wanted to talk about was uh, how you deal with mental health issues. And there has been some concern lately on personal property invasions of those that have mental health issues. And, of course, we've talked about this a lot on how you handle people with mental health when you don't have a facility here, similar to the juvenile detention. Yes, this is a system in the state that I feel has failed. It has failed terribly. And, you know, I was a victim of of a property crime by a a mentally ill person. And I don't know if I talked about that before on the radio. not at all. Uh, One Sunday, my wife said, hey, there's a truck outside. So I looked, and I knew who it was. I've dealt with him through my career. And uh, he was hooking a chain on to my police truck, on the front of my police truck. And he was trying to pull my police truck, and I already called dispatch and thought, you know, I'm just going to wait for a patrol car to come out instead of just dealing with him myself in case, because uh, uh, he can be hot and cold through the years. And I'm serious. I've known him for like 30 years in my career. So I knew he couldn't pull my police truck. It, you know, it was heavier than his truck. Well, then he got the chain stuck on my police truck. He spun down. He was on gravel. So he backed up onto my, he couldn't get chain out. He backed up onto my concrete drive, and he got another strap out, and he hooked onto my personal truck, and he was trying to pull my personal truck out of my driveway. And my personal truck's heavier than my police truck. So then the police car showed up, and I, w- I went out, and we're, we're talking, and he said, I'm like, uh, hey, why are you trying to take my truck here? And I knew him by first name. He knew who I was. He said, but I, I like your truck, Ed. And, well, I, I bought it. And I'm like, you didn't. He said, well, but I really like it. I, I want it. I'm like, you can't have it. I said, why were you trying to take my police truck? He said, I just want to go in and write a couple tickets. Oh, okay. And I thought, as I talked with him, an officer, both myself and the officer, you could see hit the mental illness. And, you know, he doesn't belong in jail. Mm-hmm. The help he needs is for the mental illness and medical. I knew he had some kind of medical condition that was developing and also mental illness. Uh, so uh, I talked to the officer, hey, can you just take, we'll take him in protective custody, get him to the hospital, see what we can do for his mental illness. Uh, so he did that and uh, he was released. And a lot of times you understand what's medical. Uh, I thought this, you know, it's not good for the community and we're trying to do what's best for that person in the community. Uh, then he he finally was committed. He stole a neighbor's truck. Uh, he found the keys in a neighbor's truck maybe a week, week and a half later. Stole that truck, but he left his truck there. So it just went to his house and got the neighbor's truck he stole. And that time he did get the help. But it, it's frustrating. That's my experience. It's frustrating in my job, it's frustrating being part of the community that these are people we all want to help. You know, there are loved ones that could happen to any of our kids, and we want to give them the mental health 
help that they need. And we've been seeing that falling down across the state. And and really, they privatized it. So now it's all right. private hospitals. It's worse when someone's combative in a jail because the hospital just will not take them. And they'll tell me, and they're right. They said, my nurses, you have a hard time holding them in jail. They're hard to deal with. No, I got nurses that got to try to hold that person down. And so it, it, it's just not a good system. I know that there's been a lot of discussion, especially here in our own community, with the task force and everything. Are there solutions down the road? Or what are we up against here? I, I don't think there is. I, I, I don't think we're going to get to the solutions. I think it's a funding issue. You know, you're seeing across the board, the state of Michigan only has so much money. And it's, I, I don't think that's her priority. How about the way we address those with mental health? You know, we used to have institutions. We felt that that was inhumane, so we closed those institutions. And that put people back into the communities. Well, I think they said inhumane, but a lot of times if you start researching that, it's a lot of it's funding. So they might inhumane, but it's also a funding issue. Okay. That costs a lot of money to run mm-hmm. Newberry. You know, I, I used to take people to Newberry, and that was a big facility. You know, it was very costly to costly to run. So every time when they do, pro, they call it progressive, but it's they're spending less money, and we're seeing the results uh, seem to be uh, decreased each time we're progressive. And if you look to Europe, uh, go to Europe, uh, more developed countries than, than ours, hey, you're seeing the mentally ill own a boat. It appears it's worse than what we have. And right? I think we're heading there. I think the drug use to you, you're, you know, how can we keep, how can we keep up financially building jails, prison. You see prisons keep pushing people out the door. So then that fills the jails up with felons. All Everybody in our jail used to be in prison, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And how we can't, we'd have to build all our jails big enough as prisons. And you're looking at some uh, states that have decriminalized the narcotics. And I don't know if we're all heading there, if we mm-hmm. just cannot afford Kind of afford to incarcerate everybody. You showed a lot of patience, I think, by staying in your house during all of that until the patrol officer came by. Most people wouldn't do that. And that's where confrontations come in. Yes. And I thought, you know, it just would be the best if I had some property damage, my truck damage, and, you know, and I got a nice pickup truck. And I, I, I thought some damage might occur, but. You know, that's property damage versus mm-hmm. somebody getting hurt, myself, or even even that person. But I guess I'm trying to say is that you had frustration over this issue. Can you imagine what someone who's not in law enforcement faced with this similar type of a situation is going uh, through? Oh, yeah, that must be must be difficult. You're, you're right, because I'm used to dealing with these situations. They say that an average person with how many critical incidents a lifetime, they three, four crit- critical incidents, and police do a 1,000. You know, it's just... It's something we deal with on a regular basis. I don't know how you do that. That's, you know, when they talk about heroes of a community, that's certainly a situation because, you know, you deal you deal with a lot of people that other people don't get to deal with. And it's certainly got to put a mark on your life when you do that, right? Yeah, it, uh, it you know, it hurts that we can't get the help that that person right. needs. Mm-hmm. That really bothered me. And I know you've said that over the years, so it's not just a new thing uh, for you. You've been saying that right along. 
Another thing that bothers you are people who don't drive properly around school buses. Oh. And you said you've seen that more recently than you've ever seen before. Oh, I had my first two, uh, first time I saw it was uh, the, other, the other morning, two of them. Two of them one morning through, through the red lights. On the bus. On the bus. The red lights are flashing. I'm behind the bus. I'm on US2 and they slowed up. I, I just, I always look for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always looking at different violations. I'm thinking, oh, they're stopping. Well, then both of them, two of them came through. The other one was so close to the first one, it's like a trailer. A bus driver blew the horn, and, you know, I, I think as a warning. Were uh, they coming at the bus or behind the bus? At the bus. At I the was bus. behind the bus. Okay. Were the kids coming from the passenger side, or were they coming across the highway? Passenger side okay. on that one. So there wasn't a danger, but there could be, because nobody would know. No, and you don't know. It just, uh, I, I was, I was actually dumbfounded. I just, it's something you just don't believe people would do. Mm-hmm. So tell us the rule. What is it? You have to stop. You know, you see the yellow. Yellows slow up. Is you know, the, you know the reds are coming on. The yellows on this bus was on for quite a quite a long time. Uh-huh. So they knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I had, uh, and everything with us now is camera. You know, my truck's going to, cam- I got, I got body camera. My body cam's always on me, uh, you know, so. Uh, you had your vehicle camera. Vehicle you camera. The, the sheriff's vehicle with you at the time, right? Yes. Uh, you know, you know, the red lights are coming on. Uh, so, so if you're coming at a bus, you do need to stop. Yeah. And it looked like they were stopping. So I don't know if they just they saw about that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they just saw that the kids were on the other side and went through slowly. It was to a point where I turned on my overheads and they just both pulled on the shoulder and I just did a U-turn and wrote them both tickets. You got them both to pull over? Yeah, they both stopped and they both got tickets. That's up to a $500 fine now. You know, they've, they've really increased the, the fees. I'm not sure what is, but that's the maximum amount mm-hmm. now, civil infraction, which is nice for us on a civil infraction because, you know, I just have to uh, prove preponderance of the evidence of 51% versus a misdemeanor or other crime. I have to prove uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. So that's why people say traffic citation, you know, I'm going to fight that. I, uh, they, civil infraction is 51% versus 49 and it's a non-intent crime, you know, to where we're talking about, let's say I told the guy about stealing my vehicles. That's an intent crime. You know, I, I, he can't form intent if he doesn't have the men- mental ability. That's why civil infractions, it's a non-intent. Okay. So it's just the violation, 51%, it's guilty. In this case with the school bus, I'm assuming morning now, it was dark outside too? Yeah, about 6.45 it was. So it's still quite dark then. It's quite dark, a little foggy. Uh, but in the fog still too. Yes, and we're west of Escanaba. But, you know, I thought the fog didn't play any, we're running 55 or so. You know, I was behind, the bus came by my house. I pulled out behind it uh, at my house. And we, you know, it stopped a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, oh, I'll probably follow this one all the way to Escanaba. But. It, it's good sometimes for police, so it didn't bother me. I leave early enough, and it was good. I, I'm glad. Uh, you didn't have to tell the boss you got stuck behind a school bus, then, huh? <laughs> well, and that's I'm. I don't start work till quite a bit later. I okay. get in, I get in early. <laughs> the last thing I want to talk about is jury duty. I got my notice in the mail the other day that I have jury duty next Friday, 
this is the fourth time that I can remember that I've been called the jury. One was in federal court. So I have to leave the show here a little early on Friday, which is no big deal. I mean, everybody does when they get called to jury duty. But it also happens to be my 30th wedding anniversary. So we were going to take off as soon as I was off the air to go on our anniversary trip. And I have to tell Patty, we aren't going. <laughs> and I'm like, hopefully I get bounced. And I've never wanted to. I've always wanted to be on a jury just to see, you know. But now I'm hoping that I get bounced pretty early. I've always been bounced the other times that I've had it because being in the media... It's a, a little odd. You got called the jury duty once. I did once, but you you better show up though, because yes. I have arrested somebody on a warrant that didn't go to a jury, that didn't show up. Did they not know, or did they just decide the, not to go? The person knew, and uh, because if don't you don't get the they, letter, you know, I never checked the mailbox. The only reason I know is because Patty went and got the mail. So I don't know if that ever happens, yeah, but that, well, that was quite a few years ago. So yeah, it's serious. If you get called, you have to show up. And I, I, I've only been uh, selected to show up for a jury trial once. However, uh, it was the, it was a circuit court jury trial on somebody I arrested. So I had to show up in my uniform. I had the slip in hand, and I had to ask them, "Where do you want me to sit up here at the the, the table?" Because <laughs> I was a case officer, or back with the jurors. Yeah, they they bounced me really quick, but they did, huh? Yeah, but I'm somewhat similar. I'm interested in what it's what it's like to be on a jury. How, sure, you know the discussions behind the scenes and so forth. The uh, I said I had four, but I actually was called five times. And the one time I w was doing work for the guy who got called or that was going to be tried, and so I called up because I had to go somewhere again at that one. It was like this one I really didn't want to miss the trip. And they were like, no, you have to come. I said, what if I know who it is? They said, There's no way you know who it is. So I said the name and they went, how do you know him? I said, well, I work for him. Okay, you don't have to come in. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just happened to know that he told me that he was being uh, on trial that day. Uh, I had one in federal court and I thought that would be kind of interesting. So I had to go up to Marquette to do it. And of course, being in the media, um, sitting there in the jury box, uh, and they happened to be an inmate from Barraga. That was his own attorney. Okay. So one of the questions he asked was, anybody ever been in a state prison? Well, I've raised my hand. Woman next to me raises her hand and a guy down front raises his hand. So he asked me, what, you know, what were you doing in prison? I said, well, I was in the media. I've been in the Marquette prison. I've been in the Shingleton prison, several of the county jails around the UP. Woman next to me ends up being a corrections officer in a state prison. <laughs> and the guy down front, he was actually in a prison, so he kept him and bounced the two of us. <laughs> so I've never been able to serve on a jury, and I would like to, but just not this time if I can. Yeah, so good luck. Good luck. Yeah, but it would be kind of interesting just to see how it works. And that's interesting because you make plans. You, you might have motel. You might have things planned. Yep. All of a mm -hmm. sudden... You know, you could be out a fair amount of money canceling plans because of being selected for a jury or even people with plane tickets to go somewhere. You don't get very often people who skirt on uh, jury duty? You said I, it's been I, don't, a while I haven't seen warrants one. in quite a while, and but maybe people are just showing up. That's good, right? People take yeah, it seriously. Yes, when I've had cases, the, the courtroom's full on a, you know, on a larger case. Mm-hmm. Well, Brett Gardner, I think, is going to be here on Wednesday to talk with me like he does every month. So it'll be Good. interesting 
to uh, talk with him about that. Thanks for hanging in there just a little bit longer, talking with Delta County Sheriff Ed Oswald. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to our sponsor, SwedishPimple.com. Check out all of the fishing lures made right here in the Upper Peninsula at SwedishPimple.com. You can continue to follow us at HometownEscanaba.com. We connect with the people, activities, and newsmakers from Escanaba and Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Music